We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome, Bears fans, into another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I'm on your host, Zach Pearson, and it is officially summer break for the Chicago Bears. Uh, we'll be talking about that, uh, mini camps, veteran mini camp, uh, the Bears 100 celebration on this episode of the podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Um, Aaron, how you doing, man? It's been a, it's been at least two weeks since we've talked. Yeah, doing all right, man. Just kind of... Now we're now we're in the real dead period of the off seasons, and now we got what five six weeks until the Bears report for camp, and we still don't actually have dates on that. But that's just kind of the assumption right now. So it's going to be uh, you know kind of the calm before the storm. I mean, as soon as camp starts, I mean that's when everything that's really when the season kicks off. Yeah, it's like uh, you know the Bears get this five to six week break, um, and then they go camping for. Generally, what is probably, you know, it's closer to three to four weeks. Um, but yeah, the Bears haven't released their schedule yet of training camp. I'm guessing it's probably going to start at the end of July and run. It usually runs into mid, mid-August, and then there's like a preseason game probably. Uh, probably the first preseason game will be one of the closeout weeks of practice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's been kind of a busy week, busy weekend since the Bears wrapped up those uh, OTAs last week. They had kind of that... Uh, fun event of the Bears 100 uh, celebration in Rosemont, and then they were back to practice this week for three days, although Thursday, today's session, as we're recording this, was very short. I think they got in like um, 35 minutes of practice before Matt Nagy kind of called it off. Um, and it was pretty much a rush to the car, get out, let the players go, and get their travel plans. But uh, we'll discuss a little bit about that today um, on the show. We'll discuss 
the kicker situation again. Um, it feels like every podcast we are talking about the kicker situation, but there's some kicker news, a lot of reactions to the kicker competition this week. Um, we'll go over that Bears 100. We'll go over um, the veteran mini camps and all that stuff. Um, before we do that, there was actually some news that kind of is being reported before me and Aaron are recording this. Um, Aaron actually alerted it to me while we were talking. Um, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and tell them uh, the latest on uh, Champ Kelly for the Bears? Yeah, it looks like uh, Champ Kelly's headed to the Jets under uh, uh, Joe Douglas. So it's not official yet, but it's I think somebody reported that that was going to be the case. He was uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but either way, yeah, they he'd reported it, and then Adam Kaplan and one of the Jets writers, I think it was Rich Chimney, uh, came out and said that he's their primary target for the mainstay under under Joe Douglas. So, I mean, it's a loss, but at the same time, the Bears have an interesting structure when it comes to the scouting departments anyway. Um, so it's not really – it's not like they're losing a big piece because you still have people that are technically above him anyway, but he – he was somebody that really kind of stepped in for Joe Douglas anyway, and I thought did a pretty pretty good job. But, you know, this is just how it goes when teams get good. I mean, they start getting poached. That's just what it is. Yeah, it's something you have to deal with. You know, like you said, as teams get good, you're going to start losing not only front office members like in this case, but, you know, we've talked about the Bears. You're going to have to pay a lot of players. And you have to start, you're going to start losing players. Um, in this case, though, yeah, it does look like Champ Kelly is going to the, be the, going to the New York Jets as the assistant um, general manager under Thomas. That was actually Neil. Yeah, so Neil Stratton reported earlier inside the league, and then um, the others confirmed it. So it looks like, yeah, by the time you hear this podcast, we get it all posted up. It's very likely, if not by the end of the weekend, that Kelly will be announced um, as assistant general manager. He currently serves as the assistant director of player personnel for the Bears, and, and he kind of hands his hands on, um, you know, a lot of things. He, he works – you know, with Josh Lucas, the um, director of player personnel and college scouting director, Mark uh, Sadowski, and he's got a role in the draft and, and free agency. And, and before his time here, he was, I believe he was with the Broncos for, I want to say it was about eight years, um, and then came over in 2014 when the Bears, you know, hired um, John Fox, brought over Adam Gase and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we'll have to see, you know. Um, what the Bears do, if there's any promotions there or um, if they bump someone up. But uh, I believe the Bears can block the move. I think – was it you that was telling me that they, they likely won't? Yeah, at least from what it's being reported, it uh, doesn't look like they can block the move even though it's a promotion basically. And it's weird too because even like the Patriots last year uh, had blocked uh, – or maybe it was two years ago – had blocked their quote-unquote – GM or whatever from taking another job so it's one of those it's a promotion but it's not the same way as like you know uh, an assistant coach going to a head coach stuff like that um, so and it's kind of the same concept here I mean he's not going to be the GM so it is a promotion in a sense but it's like a position coach going from you know outside linebacker to a defensive coordinator spot it's it's a promotion but the way the, the NFL has labeled it's not seen as one if that makes any sense so that's kind of where this is yeah. at but I mean, the Bears have been pretty good overall about if guys want to go elsewhere or if they have better opportunities, and they usually let them go. So, it, yeah, I don't think, at least from what it sounded like, it didn't it didn't look like the Bears were going to block the opportunity for Kelly if he decides to take it or if, if he gets offered the job. Yeah, and he did interview with the Jets for the actual general manager job. I, I think I read somewhere he interviewed twice. He was one of the four that made got to the second interview before um, 
they eventually uh, made their decision and um, with with uh, Joe Douglas. So now it looks like he will be headed to the Jets. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the Bears and this podcast with the with the veteran OTAs. Before we do all that and kind of break down the 100 celebration, let's get into our first break and we'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson, joined as always by Aaron Lemming here. We just got done talking about the uh, Champ Kelly news. It's it's pretty much going to be done by the time you hear this podcast. If not, it'll be done probably by the end of the weekend. Um, Aaron, before we get into kind of the veteran mini camp and, and the off time that the Bears will have before training camp at the end of July in Bourbon A, um, I don't know how much you saw the Bears 100 celebration, you being out in California. Um, it, it was a pretty big deal here in Chicago, and, and um I kind of want to spend some time talking about it on this podcast. I was there um, the entire, all three days. Um, so Friday night, they pretty much hosted the red carpet event. It was our only media access. We got like an hour with former players and current players that wanted to talk and were, and were available to talk. Um, then they hosted their kind of kickoff, you know, um, after the red carpet was kind of the opening ceremony kickoff with bringing out players from all the decades and, and then doing the current team. And then they introduced the new uniforms with Kyle Fuller coming out. Um, Saturday was actually my favorite day because it was just full of panels. Um, there was a lot of good information from past and present, you know, it started off right away. It was Jim McMahon and, and Mitchell Trubisky. And then the next one was the hall of fame linebackers. And although Brian Urlacher couldn't attend, you still got to hear, you know, from, from Dick Buckus and Mike Singletary and sitting down listening to those two guys for 45 minutes was, was an absolute treat. My favorite one though, was the defensive line um, panel that they had later in the day on Saturday. It was definitely the one that had the most, you know, kind of not controversial stuff, but more outspoken players. You know, when you got someone like Dan Hampton and um, Akeem Hicks on a panel, uh, Tommy Harris and, and Obradovich on there, it was just, it was kind of, it was it was a lot more outspoken and and they they had a lot of good stuff and and don't get me wrong there's a lot but then Hampton kind of ended it with you know thank God John Fox's ass is out of town and and it didn't really draw a good reaction from Akeem Hicks who actually was brought in here under John Fox era uh, but yeah I I enjoyed it and I thought it was just a great chance for all the fans that got you know to experience something like that I mean we'll probably never get to experience seeing all those legends, all those Hall of Famers on stage all at once together. And it was cool because, you know, you got to see, you know, players like Dick Buckus and Mike Singletary and, you know, even Gail Sayers, who was he was going through some stuff right now, and he, he was wheeled out there. And it was just kind of cool seeing all those, the, the past and the, the present collide. I don't know how much of it you saw, but or if you had any thoughts on it from kind of an outsider's perspective on it. Well, I saw, I mean, I'd seen some of the stuff that some of these guys had said, seen some video stuff like that. I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, I'm, you know, just kind of exaggerating this, but it, it definitely feels like there's something special going on with the Bears right now. I mean, obviously there's a lot of guys from the Super Bowl team and, 
and you know kind of getting together with the, the new players and just how Matt Nagy was approaching everybody and the uniform releases and just everything that was going on it just, there just seems to be I mean even the whole Trubisky thing with uh with McMahon you know him getting the the headband and the the sunglasses you know it's just like it, it seems like there's something you know this team's clearly confident they clearly have probably one of the best rosters that they've had in a long time if ever so it's a situation where I think it's it's just it's really cool to see, and at least from the outside perspective, it's it seems like something special is definitely going on. Yeah, it was kind of cool to you know see all those former players mix in with the current players, and and, and you kind of get that special vibe of like yeah, something is special around here, and the former players could see. I mean, we were talking Richard Dent, and he you know was saying yeah, this team kind of reminds me of the '84 team that we had going into '85. They suffered you know the heartbreak losing to the 49ers, and the next year they just flat out dominated. Obviously, you know the Bears have the heartbreak with Philadelphia, and now going into this year, they have there's there's very high expectations for this roster. And, and I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or dominate like the 85 Bears did, but it's kind of cool just to see those guys that that live through that 85 season, play through that 85 season, kind of praise this team and say, you know, yeah, there's there's something special going on here. And even the 2006 team, you know, Olin Krutz said you could just feel with this team there's something special going on. He knew there was something special with that 2006 team, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl. That was still one of the more iconic teams in, in recent Bears history just by reaching the Super Bowl with all those players you had, you know, Erlock or Tillman, um, Briggs, Hester, Krutz. And Krutz himself even said, you know, that, you know, this is a special. I can feel this vibe being here. And, and, and they got, you know, they got a long way to go, but they can put it together. I can see a bright future for them, things like that. Um, overall, you know, as, as the convention went on, it was just, it was just kind of cool to see all those players mix and, um, come together and share secrets and talk to each other and stories. And, you know, Buckus, I think it was either Buckus or Mike Dick, who couldn't believe how many people were actually there. And, and he had a comment about how many people were waiting in line. I mean, the line was almost, you know, it was pr- it was probably a good 45 minutes to an hour wait each day just to get in when they started opening up the gate. So a lot of Bears fans in attendance, a lot of cool stuff there. They had the 63 championship trophy, um, all the Hall of Fame bus. They had the uh, Super Bowl trophy people could take a photo with. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of cool things to do, and, and I'm I'm glad I got to experience. It. I know a lot of Bears fans um, are glad they got to experience it. So we'll see, because you know what, it'd be really awesome if that was like the appetizer to like a Super Bowl winning season. Well, I think it, just the way things are setting up this season. Obviously, the hundred year anniversary. So you have you know the, the what they just did this last weekend, and then. You're going to have them kicking off the season against Green Bay at home for the first time in God knows how long. I mean, there's just there's a lot. I mean, on top of the fact that I know I know the Bears seem to be kind of like the, you know, what happened to the Jaguars last year. Everybody seems to think that the Bears are going to be that team. And I just don't see it, man. I just I, I think that they've at least improved their at least maintained their talent level, if not improved a little bit um this off season and you know as long as they stay healthy i mean everybody can look at the schedule and they can make it what it is but you know the bears are going to be the hunted now you know they're not going to be the hunter like they have been the last few years they're going to be the team to beat in almost every single game this year and that's something that i don't think a lot of people are taking in, into account you know good teams when they look at schedules don't care i mean the patriots do it i mean the rams have done it i mean there's been multiple teams uh you know year in and year out that are good teams that it doesn't matter who's on their schedule. They're still going to win 12, 13, 14 games a season. And I think that's where the Bears are at right now. I Obviously, things can 
you know, it's a year to year league, obviously. But I think that when you're looking at things overall, it's just it's it's really hard to not see um, how special things are going right now. And I mean, like you said, it would be an absolute cherry on top for them to be able to, you know, win a Super Bowl on their 100th anniversary, on the league's 100th anniversary, you know, after all this stuff, you know, because, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is a lot of the 85 Bears, I mean, they've always kind of taken shots. Anytime the Bears have been a decent team, they've always taken shots at those teams. And now I think you're kind of seeing, you know, especially with what happened this last weekend, I think you're kind of seeing some some respect, uh, you know, go that way. And, and so it, it's going to be interesting because I think that, this current team can learn from those guys that are still in contact, that were still around, that are still talking to these guys. I think that they, you know, from the 85 team, I think they can learn something. And, and I think having those guys as resources and, and, and feeling that culture. And I mean, the 85 bears are one of the best teams to ever play the game of football. I mean, that's really all there is to it. So to be able to have those kind of resources to be able to be with those guys, get some perspective like that. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, it may not be a huge deal, but I think that the deeper and deeper the Bears get into the season, you know, assuming they make the playoffs, I, I think that they have more than enough uh, really in every avenue to be able to, you know, really be a true Super Bowl contender this year. And that's what I'm expecting. And to kind of, you know, wrap that up and give you an example, I mean, Cleo Mack was there and got to learn and he got to talk. He said he talked for about 30 minutes with, um, uh, who was it, Richard Dent. And, you know, he's also met with Dick Buckus and got to talk to him. And, and you take a player like Cleo Mack, who's already one of the best defensive players in the NFL, and he gets to learn a little more and get some advice and, and um, some knowledge from a guy like Richard Dent, who was one of the best pass rushers, you know, of his era. I mean, that's all it's going to be is, is, is it's going to be positive stuff for Mack. But to your point where the Bears, you know, um, it's a, it's a, you know, feels like a special season and this team's really good in position to win. Um, <clears throat> I agree. I think, you know, the Bears can be thought of as, you know, the team that's going to be the hunted in the NFC North and it should be a contender in the NFC. However, there's still one looming problem <laughs> with the Bears and it seemed to have dragged on ever since Cody Parkey left, um, Ever since he did that today's show and you knew he was gone, the kicker position is still the most talked about thing right now in this offseason and will be going into the regular season. And it feels like you and I just we have to talk about this kicker situation every podcast because something new happens, you know, whether it's bringing in eight kickers for for a tryout or um, an update on, on how they're doing or a cut or a signing it's like we had a little bit of that this week too with, um, you know, Tuesday it was reported, you know, Matt Nagy said, yeah, the kickers went 0 for 3 from 43 yards or 42 yards, whatever it was, and it was not good. And then the day later they cut Chris Blewett and now they're down to Eddie Pinero and Elliot Fry. Although the two kickers did have better days on Wednesday and Thursday kicking, especially Thursday when Matt Nagy kind of gave him an ultimatum of, hey, you make these kicks, the 40-yarders, the two 40-yard kicks, they each got an attempt. We're going to end practice early. If you miss, one of you misses, the team's going to run. Uh, both kickers did hit theirs, but I still get this feeling that, you know, this uh, this uneasy feeling that the Bears aren't comfortable with their kickers and, and the, 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 the problem's not solved yet. Well, I mean, how could they be comfortable at this point? I mean, it's it's one of those things that obviously you have to be careful what you report. But, I mean, I've talked to multiple people who – have either been at practices or, you know, have, I, I don't really know how to put this, you know, basically an inside scoop, you know, at House Hall. And 
I can tell you right now, I mean, outside of maybe the last two days, Eddie Pinheiro has not been good at all. He's been bad. He's actually, I would, uh, at least from what I was told, he has been the worst of the three kickers. And obviously, you know, they decided to cut blue. And I think ultimately what's going on here is you have Pinheiro, who they went out and they traded for. It's a conditional seventh round pick. You know, the conditions are decently high. So if he struggles in the preseason, you know, they can cut him. But he's also somebody who's at least proven that he can win an NFL job because before he got hurt, I mean, we, we've already kind of been over this. I mean, before he got hurt with the Raiders, he was going to win that job. And then he got hurt and they stashed him on IR. And then they ended up not needing him after they got Daniel Carlson. But, you know, and then with, with uh, Fry, Elliot Fry, I mean, it's a situation where he was perfect in AAF. And, you know, but it's he, both of these guys. I mean, they're they're just not... They're not doing what you would expect. Um, the the one thing I will say is, I mean, this time last year, everybody was talking about how good Cody Parkey was and how dead on he was, and he was really good and, and training camp and all that stuff. I think ultimately it's it's a situation where we're really not going to know anything until they get into the preseason, they start letting these guys kick, and they go from there. And I'm still I, – I, I lean towards them not having their – their kicker on the roster right now. I don't think they have a current option, whether that's a guy like Matt Bryant, whether that's a guy like Kai Forbath, whether that's magically trading for Robbie gold, which still seems pretty unlikely at this point. Um, or, you know, trading for, you know, uh, trading for or waiting for a guy to get cut, you know, the, uh, uh, Vedvik from, from the Ravens. There's been a lot of, a lot of hype behind him. And then I think the Browns have a situation where they have Austin Seibert who they drafted and they have another guy that's battling with him. Tampa Bay, the same thing. They have, I think it's Cairo Santos and Matt Gay that are battling. And they're going to, I mean, they've had just as bad kicking problems as the Bears have. So they're going to go with whoever's better. And I don't think the draft pick's really going to matter there. So, I mean, there's going to be some options. And as we know, I mean, every year there's always those guys that they kick somewhere. You know, they kick for one team. They get cut because they don't need them. And, they, you know, they just didn't want to use their kicker that much. And then they end up signing on with another team and end up playing, you know, end up being really good kickers. I mean, the same thing happened with Will Lutz. The same thing happened with Harrison Butker, who just, I mean, both of those guys just got extensions. I mean, it's it's a situation where it's not the end of the road yet, but at the same time, you have to be concerned at this point because we're talking, I mean, we're in the middle of June here. They've gone through, what, four tryouts? Yeah, four tri- three or four tryouts. I think it's been four. Uh, yeah, it was four because they had they had the one when they signed uh, Redford Jones, and they had the one where they signed Chris Blewett, and then they had the one where they uh, they had the tryouts for the the AAF guys, and I think they brought in Kai Forbath, and then they obviously had the tryout when they when they brought in those guys after the draft. I mean, they've had four different tryouts. They've had well over twenty kickers, and they can't seem to find the right guy. And obviously, again, we're not going to know for a while what it's going to be, but it's going to, it's going to be one of those things. that's going to be kind of dampening the situation where the bears have a really good team. Obviously I know some people are low, especially nationally on Trubisky, but the bears have a really, really, really good team that they, they should make the playoffs, but it's hard to really be excited or confident about them being Super Bowl contenders until they get their kicking situation figured out. But it's just one of those situations. I mean, I think we're all tired of talking about it. We're all tired of hearing about it. Um, but the only good news is, is we won't have to hear about it for the next six weeks. And then once camp or preseason starts, I mean, we're going to find out one way or another. But the Bears still do have options, whether that's whether that's a veteran at this point, like a Matt Bryant, uh, or trading for somebody 
um, or picking up somebody that's been cut from another team that had a good preseason. I mean, they have options. I just hope that they're keeping their options open and keeping their mind open and don't try to force one of these guys in if neither one of them are truly the answer. Yeah, and I, I'd lean right now as it stands recording this on, on June 13th. I'd still say there's a better chance that the week one starting kicker is not on the roster right now um, compared to it being either Eddie Panero or Elliot Fry. From what I've seen and what I've – with my eyes and what I can report, I, I'm not confident in either of the two. I think Panero has the bigger leg, the stronger leg, but I think – Fry is a little more accurate with his leg. Um, yeah, there is a you know there is what you met brought up that Pinero pretty much was gonna win the Raiders job last year before getting hurt. Um, but still, I mean, from what from what I've seen there, and what has been reported by numerous other people there, it's just I I don't have a good feeling that the kicker position that is one of these two guys and then and then they can turn it around. Um, out of training camp and into week one. Granted, I could be very wrong. It could be Fry or Panero. They could completely turn around, have great camps, or and then go into week one and have a great regular season. But to stand now, I, I don't like the chances of that. I think, you know, the Bears did have an open roster spot before making a move today. A tryout player was signed. I would have liked to have at least seen Matt Bryant brought in. I mean, give him a shot. Give Let him come out here and compete. I know he's you know, been a, primarily a dome kicker throughout his whole career, but well, I mean, what, what, you know, what's what's the worst going to happen? You cut him like you've cut, I mean, uh, a lot of other kickers or made moves. I I get, you know, I don't know. It's just it's very frustrating to talk about because, like like you said, you, you're you feel like this team is right there. Granted, the offense does have to take the next step um, under Matt Nagy for them to be, you know, to be those legit contenders, but. I'm I I think that's gonna happen. I just don't want this to come down to another awful kicking scenario where we're sitting here in um, January and and it's supposed to be the NFC Championship game or even the, the divisional round. And me and you and I are talking about the off season again because a kicker can't go out there and do his job and make a kick. I I don't want that to happen. I want to be talking about an NFC Championship game, a divisional round playoff game. Um, but like you said, I mean this is gonna drag on through. I mean, it looks like these are the two guys that are gonna be going into training camp unless some some miracle happens that the Bears decide that they're not the guys. But it, we'll, we'll get to see them again at training camp. Fans will get to see them. Because how it is at Hallis Hall, you know, what we can report are those kicks that, that Matt Nagy talks about or that we see in scrimmages. Those are the big ones that we're actually reporting, the ones that have small rushes or um, a, line, a snap, a holder, and the kick. They're also off to the side kicking you know, attempting field goals on their own, kind of going through the motions with the holder. Um, so, it, you know, you get to hear about the ones on Tuesday that we reported they went 0 for 3. There were some other kicks on a different field that we didn't get to see. Those were just the three pressure kicks that Matt Nagy likes to call, the Augusta silence where no one talks and, and it's just the kicker and the um, the special teams unit out there. Those are the ones that, that, that are getting the national attention that we're tweeting out and talking about. And the same goes with, with today and and, um, and Wednesday's kicks. Although they have been better Wednesday, Thursday, so it gives me a little more hope. I just I, I'm just, I just hope you and I can just get over and stop talking about the kickers coming week one. I'm right there with you, man. I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I mean, it's just, it gets to a point where it's like they've, they've got to get this figured out. And, 
one way or another, a resolution is coming, whether that's a bad resolution or a good resolution. I mean, obviously, we'll have to wait and see, but, I mean, it's just, it's, we, we definitely can't beat this in the ground over the next five, six weeks, but, I mean, it's it's just a situation where it's kind of put on ice until they start playing and, you know, start practicing and start playing in preseason games, and I think we'll get a better idea at that point. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna this is going to definitely drag on to the preseason, and, and... We'll see. I think it's going to get even more attention in camp because there's going to be a lot of more fans there. And, and you know, while we're at Hallis Hall, you know, our job obviously is to pay attention to the entire team, kickers included. But there's also, you know, drills going on and 11 on 11, 7 on 7. So it's kind of hard to keep track of what the kickers are doing off to the side while, you know, looking at the offense against the defense, how the rookies look, all that. But at, at training camp, you're going to have thousands of fans there. And all the eyes are going to be on the kickers and all the eyes are going to be on the offense and defense. So there'll be more, you know, more to, to kind of see and, and, and people will be there to, to see that stuff. And it'll be a lot more will be reported. Um, before we wrap everything up, though, I want to give kind of my thoughts on the, uh, the veteran minicamp. Before we do all that, though, let's take our final break. Um, you get to hear my standouts and, and um, we'll get Aaron's thoughts on, on what he's heard so far from the reports out of camp. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. We got done discussing the kickers because once again they were a big storyline over these three days at veteran minicamp. I know you guys are done hearing about kickers and you don't want to hear about kickers anymore. So let's get into some more stuff about the veteran minicamp to kind of wrap up this episode. Um, I was there. I, I saw a lot of stuff I liked. Um, saw some stuff you know maybe could be improved on. My biggest takeaways from the camp, I would say these rookies are as good as advertised. Um, I really like what I saw from David Montgomery over these past couple of days, um, Riley Ridley and Duke Shelley. Um, I think guys like Steven Denmark and Kareth White are more going to be more project picks to work on. And, and, and that's not saying that they're going to be bad, but their bears are kind of easing them into their roles and, and what they're going to be doing for the upcoming season. It's going to take them a little longer to come along. But when you look at someone like um, David Montgomery, he looks like a nat. He looks just like a natural out there. I mean, he's quick feet, good cuts, he can catch passes out of the backfield. And I think, you know, that's kind of the one thing I wanted to see was how how is he as a receiver out of the backfield? Because the biggest knock on him, if you look at his film, was, oh, there's no tape on him catching passes. Well, that's because Iowa State didn't throw him the ball a lot last year because their offense was pretty run-heavy with him, and they also had Akeem Butler on the outside as a wide receiver. So seeing him catch passes over this veteran minicamp was kind of just, you know, it, it – it reinsured me, yeah, he can he can catch passes. He can do a good job. He can be the receiving back that the Bears really want. Um, I think he meshes in well, too, with, with all three backs – or the other two backs that are back there in the backfield because now the Bears have options. They can go to Tariq Cohen. They can split him out wide. They can have Montgomery line up in the backfield with Cohen out wide. They can have Montgomery and Davis lining up. They can have Montgomery, Cohen um, split out, and Davis in the backfield. I think there's so many good – combinations that the bears can do and, and i think all three kind of gel well together and, and and kind of have um in a way like a bond together already even though it's been a short time um and i i think a lot of people are going to be really excited to see what matt nagy can do with because i think matt nagy has three of his ideal running backs right now on this roster in cohen and davis and montgomery so now i'm just kind of excited to see what he does with them in, in scheming and, and getting them into the game and splitting the reps. Um, 
looking at Ridley, I mean, he's as good as advertised. You hear about the route running, which is just po- so polished. He's so so good out of his out of his uh, break and his cuts and coming back for the football and, and planting his feet. And but the other thing I really took away from him um, during this these actually would be like four weeks now with the rookie and the OTAs. His hands might be a lot better than what people give him credit for. I've seen him come down and, and or go up in the air and just snag passes out of the air and, and show off his strong hands. He he rarely has dropped anything from what I've seen during these camps. Um, and he's getting the work, too, because, you know, Allen Robinson was not at camp on Wednesday for a personal issue, and Javon Wims missed Tuesday. So there's there's more reps with Anthony Miller out as well. There's more reps for a guy like Riley Ridley to kind of take advantage of. The other rookie, Duke Shelley, I think he is very good closing in on the football. Um, you know, there might be times where it looks like he's beat by a couple steps, but his closing speed's really good, and his aggressiveness just fits in well with this um, with his Bears defense. I'd say overall, you know, I like what I see at the defense. It's kind of I always say I've been telling people it's kind of hard to judge the defense just because the defense is so good and they have so many playmakers like. It's when I write my notebooks and I have a lot of offensive standouts. There's for a reason because it's, I, you know, if I see you out there and Cleo Max dominating, yeah, that's a standout. But it's like, if I were to tell you, Aaron, like, wouldn't you expect me to say Cleo Mack is dominating? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's just kind of a given at this point. Yeah, and I think the same is you know with Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson. So that's why if you've been reading my stuff, it's it's, it's been a lot of offensive standouts. There have been some you know defensive standouts for me. I thought. John Franklin III had a really good veteran minicamp. Um, he was working as a cornerback, and he is fast. There is not – I, I want to say like Marvin Hall could probably give him a run for his money out there, but other than that, I don't see anyone that can outrun um, John Franklin. He had a really good – I think it was Tuesday um, – made probably much the play of camp, I would say, defensively. One of the plays of camps where he was um, foot – you know foot for foot on um not foot for foot step for step with Taylor Gabriel down the sideline and he and Franklin kind of bobbled the ball and caught it and uh it was it was labeled as an interception and then on Wednesday he made a nice play down the field to record a um, a pass breakup he's a guy I think you can maybe stash on the practice squad again um I don't think he'll make the 53 man roster unless he has a huge camp cuz he's got a lot when he was in preseason last year he did not look good at all at cornerback I think they worked him in at safety as well so He's just a guy I thought was he's kind of starting to make strides. Um, Roquan Smith and and Danny Trevathan are flying all over the field. Roquan looks like the next big, great middle linebacker for the Bears. I mean, he looks so comfortable with that one year under his belt. Um, he just looks like he belongs in that defense, and and it could be one of the leaders on that defense. Well, and I, and I think that's when you take an inside linebacker with the eighth overall pick. I mean, that's kind of what you're expecting. And, I mean, he needs to be that guy because the reality is Danny Trevath is probably not going to be there next year. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. The Bears are going to be very tight against the cap for probably the next year or two um, and probably beyond that as well. And I don't know that they can afford to pay guys like Trevath. And so having Roquan step into his own this year, even more than last year, play consistently good and be a top five, top 10 linebacker in the league would be a huge plus and, and something that's going to be needed if this defense is going to continue to be as good as it is. Yeah. And the other thing I've noticed from him is he's been pretty good in pass coverage so far um, in the limited drills that they do with the 11 on 11s. That's something he kind of struggled with, but he did get better with um, as the season went on. 
Um, the offense, I know everyone wants to hear about the offense. I think, you know, we've heard from Allen Robinson. We've heard from um, Trubisky. We've heard from Kyle Long. And they all have said, you know, this offense is, is definitely better than where it was at at this point last year. Um, and they're making progress in year two. I, I see – I think Wednesday was pretty much their best practice um, in terms of the offense goes. I really liked what I've seen from Trubisky, especially in one area – He's got better touch on the deep pass, and that is something that he struggled with all of last year. I don't think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe if you had a different thought on this, I I don't think he got better with his deep ball accuracy at all last year. I mean, yeah, he did have a couple throws deep, uh, the one against Minnesota and the one against Miami, but more often than not, he was overthrowing or underthrowing receivers. Uh, on those deep routes, it was inconsistent for sure. I mean, he had his he had his games where he was hitting nonstop, and then he had his games where it was either not there at all or it was just very sporadic. So, I mean, that's definitely something that that needs to be steadily improved on this year because there was a few times last year where if he hits, you know, if he throws the ball correctly, you know, and at the size of Tree Cohen or Taylor Gabriel or guys like that, I mean, they have huge plays, and he just simply missed them. Yeah, and I just, you know, I've, what I've seen so far through the camp is he's starting to hit those deep balls a little more. He's not, he's, it's not money on every single one, um, but you know, for the most part, he's been pretty good with that deep ball. He's there, there have been some throws that have been a little questionable in my eyes. Like, yeah, you can't throw that. Matt Nagy's gotten on him about that, but overall, he looks better, which is what you want to hear and what you want to see if you're a Bears fan. Um, because in year two, you know, under Matt Nagy, this is where he's got to take that big step. This is where he's got to come out, be the leader, um, become that quarterback that you, you traded up for number two overall. Because if he does that, I mean, you're you're a serious threat to win the Super Bowl and a legit contender. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's really kind of stood out. Um, I had Brent Braunecker turn uh, it down as a good day on Wednesday. Um, he's getting some extra reps with Trey Burton out there. I was a little not disappointed, but nothing really stood out for me. A lot of people ask me about Dax Raymond. Nothing like super stood out about me. He's just kind of right now. He's just kind of a guy going, you know, going out there. I think that could change to a training camp. Oh, Marvin Hall. I okay. I've said it. This is probably the second or third time I've tweeted out. Marvin Hall's had a good practice and good, um, good uh, whatever OTA or veteran mini camp. And I get these tweets. Oh, who cares about Marvin Hall? I want to know about this person. This person. Look. You may not think Marvin Hall is going to make the roster as a lock to make the roster at all because he's not. But with a need at special teams and returner and punt returner and how bad it was last year, he's got a shot if he can impress on special teams. But he's been one of the better wide receivers out there for at least three to four days in the past couple weeks. I mean, he had a day, I think it was Tuesday, where he caught pretty much everything his way and was just and 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 it was a legit deep threat. I mean, he was out there beating defenders, so. He's an eye. He's a guy I would keep an eye on during training camp. Um, as maybe maybe a surprise to uh, to make the roster. Other than that, um, I don't know. Did you have any questions or want to know anything else about it? Not really. I mean, I think you pretty well covered it. I think the big thing with Marvin Hall that people have to keep in mind is, I mean, the Bears can keep seven receivers. I mean, it's not out of the question, and it's also not out of the question that they could go with three running backs, keep. Uh, Patterson, and then, you know, put put White, Kareth White, depending on how he does in the preseason, on the, the practice squad. I mean, I, I would say, because that's the thing, especially with Emmanuel Hall. I mean, Emmanuel Hall is 
far beyond the behind the curve right now. Uh, I don't even think Nagy mentioned anything about him today, even being ready for camp. I know he mentioned what was it, Trey Burton and yep. uh, Anthony Miller mm-hmm. that he was optimistic yep. about. But I mean, it could be a situation where, especially with how injury prone Emmanuel Hall's been, I mean, they may just look at him and say, "Okay, dude, you're not a good route runner. You have already come in late." We value you, but we're also pretty stacked on the receiving depth chart right now. We're going to go ahead and medically redshirt you for the year. And we'll put them on the pup list, you know, and, and keep them on the pup list to camp and then, you know, have them on the pup list during the, the, the regular season. I mean, either way. But I, I would say that, I mean, Marvin Hall has a decent chance. And that's, I mean, that's even assuming that, that Javon Wims makes the team. I know everybody's really high on Javon Wims, and I think that he could be a good player. But, I mean, if Marvin Hall – plays anything like what you guys have been describing him as it seems like every damn day for the last three or four weeks I mean there's a pretty good chance that he's going to make the roster and have at least because I mean speed's obviously a big value for the Bears right now especially on the offensive side of the ball so I don't think it's very you know very uh you know going out much on a limb to say that he has a decent shot of making the team and I think he is one of those guys that because of his value outside of just the offensive perspective from a special teams perspective and everything else that he can do. I mean, he's somebody that should be being talked about because these are the kind of players that come into their own. I mean, this is how, this is what happened with Taylor Gabriel. I mean, a guy like Taylor Gabriel came into his own uh, once he, once he left Cleveland, you know, and it's just one of those situations where you never know what you're going to get from players like that. And if he ends up being somebody, at least for this year or somebody that maybe they can keep around on a cheap two or three year deal after the season's over with, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all, at least in my opinion. And and you got to go back and look, Marvin Hall has played with the Falcons been with the Falcons for two years. So a sort of primarily his primary thing was kick and punt returns. Um, He did was in eight games in 2017, 16, in 2018, um, had a touchdown in each of those seasons. Look at that. Um, look at the Atlanta Falcons receiving core, though. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Um, you had when Taylor Gabriel was there in what 2017. Um, Mohamed Sanu, right there. That's five guys that Marvin Hall's had to be behind, and those are all guys that you know. We all know what Julio Jones is. He's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Kelvin Ridley was really good in his rookie season last year. Um, Muhammad Sanu is actually a serviceable third wide receiver on a lot of teams, even fourth wide receiver on a lot of teams. It's hard to climb that depth chart out there in Atlanta. It's hard for Marvin Hall to climb the depth chart out here. However, I mean, he's no scrub. He's got some talent on him. And I think you kind of hit it on the, on the head there. You're going to keep Allen Robinson's a lock. Taylor Gabriel's a lock. Um, this is barring any injury. Anthony Miller's a lock to make this roster. Um, Riley Ridley. So what is that? That is, is that four, five? Right there. I think it's yeah. four. Four. Um, if you keep Javon Wims, that's five. And then you go with, say, you keep Hall and Patterson. That's six, seven, six, depending if you want to consider what Patterson, because, I mean, he's going to be a jack of all trades. So, if you re- I mean, he's a wide receiver. If you really want to count him in there, that's seven. The Bears yeah. could also very well keep you know, four running backs if you count Patterson. So you they could keep Davis, Patterson, Cohen, and um, Montgomery. So it, it's going to be interesting. I think I think there is a path for Marvin Hall to make this roster. Uh, I'm not just hyping him up because I've called him one of the standouts, but I, I don't think it's someone we should obviously sleep on at all. I think if he has a really good camp, you know, he could be 
a contributor. And the thing with Emmanuel Hall, I agree 100%. I think, you know, you redshirt him. There's a possibility you could redshirt, redshirt him this year, essentially by putting him on IR and not allowing him to go to another practice squad. Exactly. So, I mean, but that's the thing. Bears haven't had this kind of depth. I mean, we're talking two years ago, you were looking at Kendall Wright and Dontrell Inman. Oh, Trey McBride. Trey McBride, Marcus Wheaton. Uh, Kevin White. I mean, I mean that's the kind of receiving core the Bears are looking at, and to go from that to this, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, I I think the Bears the Bears offense should take a sizable step forward, even if the defense oh, takes yeah. a step back. I mean, the Bears offense should be substantially better in every department this year, and I think the speed element is one of those that could really help them, and I think that's why Marvin Hall has some value and why he could have a track. I'm not saying an inside track, but he could have a decent track to a roster spot when it's all said and done. And the thing is, I mean, you have to look at special teams, too. I mean, do you if, if you can keep Marvin Hall in this roster and he turns out to be a serviceable punt returner, that just gives Trey Cohen you know, more rest, and you can use Trey Cohen and give him more reps on – offense as well or even kick return too because i mean yeah cordero patterson is probably the guy right now that's going to be serving on the kick returns however if you use marvin hall back there too you can give cordero patterson a break as well so i think did the bears keep six wide receivers last year uh yeah they kept six uh, i think they only had five active on game day so yeah, but they sometimes have- four because it wasn't white and whims like inactive sometimes together yeah, games yeah there were a few games where they're that but they kept they had a ton of tight ends they had like five tight ends on the roster if i remember right and then they also had a fullback which they had never used so the the construction is definitely going to be different um but i do think that i mean you could look there's a few guys on the roster i mean we could break that down all the time but there's a few guys on this roster that i think you can make arguments that at least have a chance to make the roster and i think that that marvin hall is one of those guys where he's probably not he's, he's definitely not a lock and he probably doesn't even have an inside track of the roster but we've seen it every year where guys come out in camp and surprise or, you know, they're one injury away from making the team. And that's exactly where Hall's at right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. And, yeah, like you said, we're going to have plenty of time to dissect this this entire roster and what the heck could happen. Because, Aaron, we have about, what, five weeks, five, six weeks till training camp starts. And I don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going to get through it. But, um, yeah, we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of time to dissect uh a lot of things over these next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, thanks again for joining me, man. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Perfect. You can find me at at Zach Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson on Twitter. You can follow the Bear Report at, at Bear Report. Um, yeah, come check out the website. Check out the forums. Read all of our work on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, next time you'll be hearing us, hopefully next week we'll get some content out there. Um, yeah, I'm just ready for training camp because we can actually talk about more things and how the teams looked uh, in training camp. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks again, everyone. Make sure you uh, rate, review, and subscribe on all major platforms. And we'll talk to you next week.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.